Welcome to another edition of the Lakers Locker Room. I'm your co-host, Tejon Graham. Alongside me is my guy, the one, the only, Mr. Jason Little. Jason, how are you doing today, man? Fantastic, Tejon. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jason. Anyways, we have another great guest for you guys here today. He's born in North Bay, went to Nipissing University, is an alumni, and currently playing professional basketball in the city, in the country of Spain. Please welcome to Lakers Locker Room, Mr. Jordan Roberts. Jordan, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. How have you been? You been staying safe in Spain right now? Yeah, things are things are stable here. Um, I don't really do too much. We've got you know practice, games, whatever. But I, I stick to just with the guys mostly. We go to the grocery store, go home. That's about it. So what's the uh, COVID protocol kind of like up in Spain right now? So it's totally different depending on what province you're in. And like it's not like back home, like the provinces are a lot smaller. So for the longest time we had um so like everything was closed except for grocery stores and that sort of thing drug stores but we had like a curfew at 8 p.m um but meanwhile you drive two hours to madrid and the clubs are open till midnight <laughs> so it's it was totally different depending on what what city you're in like that being said we didn't go to the clubs but um right. they, they were open so it was funny now our curfew got pushed back to like 10 p.m um, but everything's open now, shopping malls, restaurants, everything's a little bit reduced capacity. But other than that, everything's open and pretty good. Anyways, we're going to get right into it. So like I said in the intro, you know, you're currently playing professional basketball in Spain for Obila Club de Basket. Just talk a bit about what that experience has been like so far playing professional basketball. I think this is your second year. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. So it's my second year. That's a, that's a bit of a big question. What's it like? Um, no, it's, it's fun, you know, um, playing basketball for a job. Um, it's, it's exciting. You know, there's, there's fans, there's, it's not a huge city. It's about the size of North Bay that I'm in right now. So you're on, when you're walking on the street, people know who you are. They, I, I don't have a good handle of Spanish yet. I'm getting there, but I don't exactly know what they're saying to me sometimes, but it's fun. They, you see the people on the street, they're excited to see you. They want to take a picture sometimes if you're in a restaurant or whatever. Um, you know, you feel like a, you feel like a big deal. Um, but as far as the basketball, it's fun. You're out here, you're playing with your teammates. Um, it's it's a good time. What's that culture shock been like? Obviously, you know, North Bay is completely different from, you know, going to Europe. So how long did it take for you to get adjusted to, um, you know, European life, if I should say? Okay, well, I, I do a lot of traveling on my own or I have done a lot of traveling, I should say. Um, so I, I knew what to expect. This wasn't, when I came here last year, it wasn't my first time coming to Spain. Um, I had been to Barcelona and Madrid and a couple other cities before that. Um, one thing that's totally different is like the, the family aspect. Like you'll be out at the bar, not the bars, like the, the cafes. It could be close to midnight and there will be a family out there with their children. Their children might be like three, four years old running around the tables and you're like, okay, it's midnight. Why are you got your kids out here? But they just, that's how the lifestyle is. It's very like family. We're having fun. You know, they stay up late at the cafe having coffees after dinner. And then, you know, they wake up in the morning, they go to work for a little bit. And then between 2 and 4 p.m., everything shuts down for siesta. So everybody goes home, they take a break, they take a nap, whatever. And then they're back at it, I don't know, 5 to 9 or whatever. It's it's different, but I love it, to be honest. <laughs> and so are you of- now taking part with, like, actually having to live through that siesta there? Do you find it's actually beneficial for, you know, work and productivity in a day? I mean, for me, it is because, like, my typical schedule, it flips back and forth, whether it's, practice in the morning or open gym but like Monday morning for example I'm in the weight room and then we go and have lunch um, as a team because all of our meals are at different restaurants around the city so like we go to the weight room then we go to lunch and then I usually come home take a nap and then it's time to go back to practice so like for me it's it's perfect but it's um it's different for sure because you're used to being a student athlete it's like okay I gotta go to this class this class find some time to eat lunch maybe go to the next class and then it's time for practice, you know, like there's no downtime. Whereas yeah. here there's seen it's, you know, there's some downtime and it's nice. In terms of the basketball itself, has there been like a big difference in terms of how the game is played? Because everyone knows, you know, the European game has been very influential now with the NBA, you know, so many things are different about the influential games. You know, you got big men who can dribble, shoot threes and all that stuff, you know, when for Canada, you know, for a long period of time, you know, you had some guys who were like, you know, six, five, six, six being big guys. So how much is the game different compared to Canada versus Europe? Um, I'd say 
it's a little bit slower over here. Nipissing, like OUA, was pretty fast paced, and you guys can attest to that. Like it's a, it's a quick game um, over here, and it's mostly just because of the coach, like the the coaching styles, it's a bit slower. Um, the first this coach, especially this year, I had to really adjust because it's like Jordan. That's a like we'd be a practice for the first week of training camp. He's like, that's kind of an early shot, and I'm like, yeah, but we might not get a better shot. You know, like it's wide open. You know, there's nobody. You know, three four feet around you. It's like a good shot what we're used to but then he they want you to run through the whole set um kick it into the post take it out of the post maybe swing it again and then they want that basically the same shot but they'd rather it go through the whole system first um it's it's just a bit slower i'd say where i'm playing anyways in terms of on your pastime you know what have been your favorite things to do on your spare time or your favorite places to visit because i'm sure like in europe there's a lot of places that you can go and visit learn new things and what has been your favorite place or thing to do on your spare time? Um, this city is a lot nicer than the city I was in last year. Last year was kind of small. It was almost like a farm city. Um, but this one, it's it's really, it's beautiful. It's on like an hour and a half from Madrid. And it's, um, it's a pretty popular like day trip for people who are normally traveling. Um, the whole entire city, like the old city part is surrounded by this castle wall. So it's like, it's a big tourist attraction to come here. So on my off days or like my time off, sometimes I just like to take a walk, go up onto the top of the, the castle wall, just kind of like take it in because it's it's a really beautiful spot. Like the sunsets here are gorgeous because you're up on the castle and you just see the sunset and then beyond the city is the mountains. So it's, it's really nice to just go kind of just take it all in, you know, grab a coffee or a, a beer if that's what you want and just take your, take your time. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's switch gears. Let's talk about your upbringings, you know. So you grew up in North Bay. You went to Nippus University. I'm just very curious. So how did you get into basketball? Um, kind of, I, I guess, by accident. Um, like, when I was a kid, uh, we always had a, a basketball hoop in the driveway. But, like, I didn't even grow up in North Bay. I grew up outside of North Bay. So it was, like, dirt driveway, crappy basketball net. Um, at that point, it was just for fun. Um, I, I think around grade Grade seven is when I really started to enjoy basketball. Um, like I remember grade six, I got cut from my elementary school team for sure. I got cut in grade seven. Like I started to like it, but I wasn't really playing. Um, it was really in high school. I think when I met like my core group of friends who I'm still good friends with, we were all into, into different sports. So I'd say grade nine, 10 is when I started playing like more seriously um, with like OBA and stuff like that. And then it kind of just, developed a little bit like North Bay is not very big so I was one of the better players in North Bay um and then it just so happened that as I was graduating no after my fifth year of high school was the first year that Nipissing was going to have uh men's basketball team men's and women's so it just kind of lined up perfectly and coach Chang at the time wanted um <laughs> I, th I think I was more of like a, a token North Bay kid to be on the team but um <laughs> it turned out that I wasn't the worst you know I was useful so no I just everything kind of lined up perfectly for me it all just fit How, what was your first what was your first year experience like because um you know it must have been different you know you started with a new coach a new program you're trying to build it up so what was that whole first year like playing in the OUA so it was exciting, but it was it was rough at the same time. We lost, except for I think a couple of preseason games, we lost every game that year. It was <laughs> it was um, eye opening to say the least. You know, we're a bunch of uh, what were we, eighteen, nineteen year old kids trying to play against third, fourth, fifth years established teams. Like we we didn't know it, but we didn't stand a chance. They, uh, you know, we we lost a lot of games and some of them pretty badly. But it was a good learning experience, you know. There's nothing like losing to teach you how to, you know, improve. Yeah. So I got to experience the, I guess, your last year um, and pretty decent season. Um, talk to me about the development and kind of the work ethic needed for you guys to develop to where you were. Because obviously, when I hear the stories of you guys in your first year from Coach Chang, I couldn't believe it. A lot of repetitions and a, getting yelled at a lot. Um, we we spent a lot of hours in the gym like in the summers like you guys get to go home now you get to go home back wherever for the summer no we didn't go home like for me north bay is home but it was like okay the school school year ended go home for three weeks two and a half weeks whatever 
come back and everybody was there from from the end of may or the beginning of june until the school year started like we were you know two a days in those first two summers especially two a days every day you know plus the weight room we had different strength coaches over the years but it was it was just a lot of a lot of expectations for us just to try and because we started below everybody else you know we were just kids we had to try and catch up quick and i think I don't think we necessarily reached our potential, but we got pretty close. I mean, it was a lot of development went into each of us. Yeah. I mean, you guys were made the playoffs, so that was uh, that was a pretty impressive feat. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that last year when we missed the playoffs, though, we were all we know that we underachieved for sure. Um, so that was really disappointing because there was there was still five of us from that original first year, plus guys like Shaver were around. And, you know, we had pieces, but for whatever reason, at important times, we didn't, you know, we didn't connect properly and we didn't pull through, but it was still, I think it was still a good year and everybody, you know, we all did our best, of course. Yeah. You know, you touched on it just now, but, you know, you came in with a, a group of guys and you were able to see it through all the way to your final, you know, guys like Jerron and Ish and Marcus. So talk about how your relationship with those guys evolved from your first year all the way to senior night. It's funny, like some things you hear that just stick with you. I remember one of the very first meetings with Coach Chang and all the guys in, in that original summer, like that first summer. He said, look to your left, look to your right. Both of those guys probably aren't going to be here by the end of this. And we're all like, what the hell, man? No, he's like, I'm like, we're all here for this reason, you know? And we're just like, no, we're all going to be here. No, we weren't all there, you know? Myself, Marvin, Ish, Jaron, and Marcus. That was that was the five of us. and. Um, and then, of course, guys like Christian, JC, and Joey, they stayed for their entire careers as well, but they didn't have as many years left. Yeah, I mean, but we all we all come in with, like, not that we all came in with an attitude, but, like, everybody's used to being probably the man on their team. So you, gotta, yeah. you, have, to, you have to mesh that from all these different players. And then just five years together with these guys, like, you're going to grow good relationships, you know, whether it was – the, the road trips, going out to eat together, hanging out between classes after practice, whatever. Like I might not talk to these guys every day, but I know if I ever call on one of these guys, like they have my back, you know, if it's like, Hey, I need, um, I'm down in Toronto. I need to place a state. Can you guys help me out? Yeah, for sure. If they say, Hey, can you help me out with this thing, Jordan? Yeah. I'm going to do whatever I can because we built a pretty good connection over five years, you know, for the student athletes that listen to this podcast, you know, how many times are you academic all Canadian, by the way? Um, for sure, four. I, I believe I was all five years, but of course, last year I wasn't able to go to the the ceremony or whatever they call it, the the breakfast. But I'm right. I'm pretty sure I was all five years. <laughs> right. So for student athletes, you know, we've talked about it so many times. You know, when you come from high school to university, it's a big adjustment. You know, it's not the same where you can play high school basketball, go to school. Like it's so easy to do that. You know, for me personally, you know, playing basketball and getting A's was nothing. I come to university, I'm thinking, oh, you know. Same thing, I can transfer this university, I can get A's and nope, didn't happen. So for you personally, can you talk a bit about what that transition was like for you in terms of being a student athlete and what advice would you give to those who are struggling at the moment to hopefully become successful like the way you did? Um, honestly, my answer is probably not going to be the one you're looking for. I found the transition pretty easy. My, my high school average was actually lower than my average in university. Um, now that didn't happen without work. Um, I put in a lot of work. I think guys like Coach Cheng made it apparent to us very early on that university is not a joke. Um, getting good grades is not easy. So I would say that, you know, I studied way more in university than I ever did in high school. And I don't know why I cared more, but I did. And it just, it panned out. Like I, I studied more and I got better grades than I did in high school. Um, clearly that's not the case for everybody because you hear stories about people who just can't handle the university workload. Um, I think it made it easier that I also planned on doing five years. So I was taking 80% course load versus hundred percent. Of course that plays a factor, but I, I was willing to put in the time to study and it, it worked out easily for me. What was that whole, the locker room experience? Like, you know, the one of the reasons why we named the Lakers locker room because all our great conversations happened in the locker room. So what was, what was that time like for you throughout those whole five years in the locker room? Hmm. I mean, that, lo that locker room seen a lot of different things. It's seen, <laughs> it's seen some joyous moments. It's seen, 
it's seen some what do you call it the whiteboard being punched you know it's seen guys <laughs> get reamed out it's it's seen a lot of different emotion i mean but that locker room is a sacred place you know because when you're in there you trust the guys who are in there they have your back and you have their back and it's just it's a good it has the feeling of a solid family experience in that locker room i think that's the way that i would say it is um it's a sacred place <laughs> Now you're talking about how Coach Chang, uh, you know, really installed the school aspect. I, I completely understand. Now, I, I did take from the one year I had him quite a lot of valuable lessons. What would you say one of the most, you know, valuable Coach Chang moments was? That is a good question. Um, so you were there. You would have witnessed, like, my final speech, I guess, when we did our Lakers letters. Yeah. Um, you know, I was up there crying, trying to say my speech. And then on senior night, when Chang was talking about me, he was crying. He was, for those five years, Coach Chang was like, he was like another father figure. Maybe not a father figure, an older brother figure, you know. He was, he was really important. And I don't know if I can necessarily pick out one particular lesson that he gave me, but he really installed like work hard, care about stuff, and you're going to get where you're trying to go. Like, that's probably not the best answer I can give, but like, that's, that's really, you know, that's how I feel about what he taught me, you know, care about what you're doing, care about the people that you're with and just do your best. And you're probably going to end up okay. You know, I, I totally understand. But for the listeners that don't know coach Chang, his work ethic was like next to none. It's hard to find someone who works as hard as he does and doesn't take no for an answer. Oh, absolutely. I know, I know that there are many nights where he, good or bad, he was up all night dissecting film and just racking his brain with how can we get this particular guy to do what we need him to do or why isn't this working? Like I know for sure on road trips, there were times where he did not sleep between the Friday game and the Saturday game because he just, whether it was a good reason or a bad reason, he couldn't put the film away. You know, I, I don't know any coach who works harder and puts in as many hours as he does. Touching back on, you know, teammates, you know, the beauty about sports is that we get the opportunity to meet other people. We get to learn things about other people. You know, like I said, the locker room is a great space for, you know, this year we obviously didn't get a chance to experience all that because of COVID. So when you look out, when you look based on your whole time at Nipsey, is there like maybe one conversation or maybe like one thing that you specifically remember that, like, you know, that you might not never forget that a teammate taught you or even Coach Chang or just anything that like always sticks in your head? I don't know if I'd say there was any one thing, but like for me, the, the one thing that a particular teammate did was for me, Christian and not everybody knows Christian, but Christian really took me under my, under his wing. Um, we have this running joke to this day that um, I call him mama bird and he calls me baby bird because like literally <laughs> it feels like he's okay. I have an older brother, but he feels like, like another older brother to me. Like we, everything, anything I ever needed, he was there for me. Um, so it's not that it's a particular thing that he said. It's just, it's the particular way that he treats me and is always there for whatever I need. You know, we can go two, three months without having a good phone conversation, but the moment we need each other, we pick it up and we're right there where we left off, you know, and without nipsing basketball, I never, I would have never met Christian and it just, it wouldn't have been the same without him. I don't know if I would be here right now, without the influence that he's had on me basketball wise and personal development wise. For you personally, you know, when you come from, you know, being an 18 year old guy, kid coming in to you leave, you know, how, how old were you when you graduated? Uh, I guess I would have been 23. I'm yeah, I'm 25 now. So I would have been 23. Right. So, you know, there's a big growth process, you know, coming as an 18 year old kid and leave as a 23 year old man. So for you personally, what aspects would you say you grew the most throughout your time in Nipissey from your first year as being an 18 year old kid to leaving university as a 23 year old man? Um, I think self-confidence is a big one because when you come in as an 18 year old, you're, you're kind of cocky a little bit, but like there's a difference between being cocky and being confident. Um, like through my time in Nipissey, I definitely improved my self-confidence, especially on the basketball court because I was a very timid player and like, you can ask a lot of people, like I would not talk very highly of myself, um, even though if other people thought otherwise. Um, 
But one thing that just happens in general at university is you mature so much. Like the difference between an eight three an eighteen year old kid and a twenty three year old guy, huge difference. Like those those are not the same people by the time you leave university. Like just I mean in life decisions, the t- the way that you act with your friends, the things that you're interested in doing, it's not the same. Like what you've been hearing so far? Make sure to follow us on IG at Lakers Locker Room and subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're at it, where you can find clips of all our episodes and video content associated with the podcast. Part two of the Lakers Locker Room starts now. I want to switch gears a bit. Um, there's something that I really want to ask you, and I think you're the perfect person to ask. Um, you were born and raised in North Bay, right? Yeah, I uh, lived outside of North Bay, but went to high school in North Bay from that point on. Right. So, um, you know, recently we started, you know, I guess you saw on Instagram, you know, we recently started a club at university for black students called New Base, you know, Nipis University, Black Social Student Expression, all that stuff. You know, so I showed Jason this uh, and my executive team a while ago, but recently um, there was um, there's an article that came out about our club and like all the things we're doing for um, the Bay today. And, you know, at the time, you know, I read the article and thought it was great. And then someone told me, you know, don't look at the comments. Um, you know, those just inner trolls. So I'm like, what are you talking about? So I scroll down and it's like all these negative comments saying, you know, why does there need to be like a separate group? You know, let's cater to and separate, you know, this is a racist organization. And the ones that had like more like positive feedback, you know, like great job and all that stuff, there were more negative downvotes than upvotes. And the ones that were negative comments had more upvotes than downvotes. So with that being said, I wanted to ask you, when you look at the landscape of North Bay, you know, was... Did you always notice that the diversity was like lacking or if racism was prevalent or you never really thought about it or you never took the time to actually sit back and say, okay, this is not really a diverse place? So unfortunately, I think what you're describing kind of um, depicts the, the lack of the people in North Bay are uneducated. That's what I'm going to say is uh, for the longest time, the people in North Bay have been uneducated and it's been fine because they haven't been challenged upon that um when i was in high school for example there may have only been you know in my high school had some years 800 students and maybe only two or three of those students would be black students um and okay maybe i don't know the other high schools for sure maybe they had more diversity in them maybe they didn't but i think that that's going to be very common if you look at the high schools over that time period and especially before that as well you know um, and not that I, I wouldn't say that I, I noticed it because it was just the way that my city was, I would say, yeah, I guess we don't have very many black students here. Um, but I think now that, that you guys are doing programs, um, sorry, organizations like this, it's really important because with the university and the college, you're seeing every year more and more diversity, um, through the different people who are coming to college and the university there. So I think that Unfortunately, the way that the comments are, are from the people who are, you know, older, who have lived in North Bay their whole lives and are uneducated on why it's important to, to have these things. And unfortunately, that just, it's, it's sad, but that's the way that those people are. Hopefully with things that you guys are doing, that it makes a difference and they can see that there's a reason for it. Um, does that answer the question? I would say so, but also to like, how long do you, like, you know, I'm saying like, how long do you think it's going to take for like people to, because like when you look at, you know, obviously the stuff that happened last year, you know, if it's finally woke everyone's eyes up and open everyone's eyes up to see, okay, this is what people are talking about, you know, and even after that, you know, people are still trying to justify and say dumb stuff or be ignorant about it. So for you personally, like how long do you think it's going to take for like people to like really, you know, support and like open their eyes up to educate themselves more? Because sometimes I feel like people will say, yeah, yeah, I'm hearing you, but like they don't actually take the time to sit down and like, you know, think about it, what people are saying or try to take the time to educate themselves. So how long do you think, especially North Bay specifically, it's going to take for people to maybe open themselves up to being educated and learning about other people and all that type of stuff? Um, I think that that's a difficult question because there are, you can, you can see differences. Um, for example, last summer, there was the, the Black Lives Matter rallies around North Bay. And I went to the one, for sure, I went to the one at the, the, the waterfront and there was a lot of people there supporting it, you know? So it's not that nobody is on board. It's the problem is that I think the people who aren't on board are the loudest, um, unfortunately, with the, with the negative comments that you were describing earlier. Um, so what I think really needs to happen is that it's the individual conversations that matter um, behind closed doors. 
because I know that there's been a few times where I've been in situations uh, with my friends and they'll say something. I'll say, that's like, that's outdated. You cannot do that. You know, you can't say that sort of thing. And they'll oh, come on. We're all just whatever. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're joking. Like those aren't things that you say anymore. You know, you never should have, but now you definitely don't because everybody should know better. Um, so I think it's, it's not a quick fix. It's a long process. Some of the people will never, you'll never get through to them because they are stuck in their racist ways. And then on the other hand, some people just have not had the opportunity to be educated. So when they're through those individual conversations, you can reach those people. And that's what's going to make the biggest difference, I think. I want to touch on something you just said, too, because that's really important, too. Was there a time where, like, you heard someone say something or you saw an action, you called them out and said, okay, you can't say that? Like, I really want to touch on that because I think it's really important. Um, yeah, so um, some of my family is from, like, they're really redneck. And, okay. for example, I was at my family's hunt camp this summer just for, like, a fishing weekend. And this guy's not part of my family, but he was there and he said something. And the first time he said it, I looked at him and I just – I didn't say anything. And then he said it again. And I said, what did you say? And he repeated it. And I said, no, 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 no. If I'm going to be in your presence, you're not going to say that. And he just said, oh, he kind of, and this is an older guy, you know, like I was trying not to be disrespectful to this guy. Cause he's, you know, he's like 60, he's older than me. You know, I'm supposed right. to be respectful to this guy. But mm -hmm. I just said, no, 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 no. Like if, if I'm going to be around you, you should never say that. But first of all, not when I'm in front of you. Because I was just thinking, I said, like, after I was reflecting on it, I said, why did I not say something the first time? I was like, so many of my friends would be disappointed in me that I let that go the first time and didn't say anything to him, you know? And I was just like, I was kind of like pissed off at myself thinking about this, but I said, okay, like, you know, this isn't okay. And I don't want to hear him say it again, you know? That's really important. I'm really glad you touched on that because so many times, and Kai and I did a presentation well, one of our co for those who don't know, Kai Kong is, you know, part of our basketball organization, all this stuff, you know, Kai is also co-founder of New Base. So we did a presentation for um, local <laughs> high schools at West First High School. And, you know, we talked about this and listen, yeah. if you if you guys see something that's wrong, like speak up about it. You know, so many times when people think that if they say something, they're going to get in trouble. No, you're not going to get in trouble. You're supposed to let people know and hold people accountable and say, listen, this is not what you're supposed to say. You can't say that type ah. of stuff. So I'm glad that you were able to say that, too. Jason, I want to bring it back into this because, you know, just like how Jordan was talking about his experiences, was there ever a personal experience for you where that same thing happened? You had to call someone out and say, okay, you can't say that. The weird thing of uh, my experiences with it was actually over non-visual platforms. So like on video games or on like audio calls and stuff with like people who can't see me. And based off my voice, I've actually heard the name said myself like directed at me and that was like it really took me for surprise so i've had to call people out on that like just pure ignorance and just it was just so blatantly rude but as for in-person stuff nothing in north bay but that's again because i'm a hermit to a house yeah because i just think that you know sometimes when you leave your when you leave you know your surroundings and all that stuff you know you eventually get exposed to you know different things and like how people think you know luckily with sports you know sports is something i love about sports too like there's so many different backgrounds you know for me personally like i played with every possible teammate you think i mean i played with black teammates white teammates hispanic teammates filipino teammates middle eastern teammates etc like any type of team you think of i played with them so i was always exposed to you know all these different cultures and i was cool with it even my all my high schools because i'm from toronto you know Every, I went to three high schools, right? And all three high schools, they did international days. So you get to see different people's backgrounds, people talk about them stuff and all that type of stuff, which I thought was really cool. So for you guys, with that being said, you know, would you say that sports also really helped you guys be more, you know, culture diverse because you guys got to see other people's background and play with people who had the same comments that you did? Jordan, you want to answer first? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been, I've had this conversation with Christian a lot of times. Um, I was never ever one to say something rude on purpose, but like there would be times, especially in that first year when he's like, ah, you should be careful with the way that you're wording that. And I'm just like, what do you mean? Growing up, growing up in North Bay, it's not culturally diverse. So I would say that I was culturally uneducated and not even to the point where I was, of course, I was not saying racist things, but it was just like, 
yeah, you, you shouldn't say that because somebody could find that offensive. And I was just like, I had no, I, I grew up not knowing that some of the things that were commonly said around me could be offensive. And that's the worst part about growing up in a small town. That's very, um, the opposite of diverse. That's very one, one dimensional. That's what I would say about that for me. And sports totally changed that because, um, not, not while I was in high school very much, but after high school at university that everything was, it was new to me. Everything was new. Um, but I'm so thankful for it because now I, you know, I've been to so many different places in the world, um, traveling and some for basketball. And it's just like, I'm, I'm so much more open to everything that I wouldn't have even known was a possibility. Right. What, what about you, Jason? Um, myself, I'd say hundred percent sports makes like huge difference for that. I mean, I'm from a very small town myself too. in Smith Falls, I think back when I was in high school, I think eight or 9,000 people total very, much lack of diversity. I did have like the benefit of through elementary school, had a bunch of friends that were from India. Uh, high school, when I got into basketball, I was playing competitively and I had, you know, tons of different like teammates from different regions and different cultures. So, um, and plus I had, like, I was lucky both my parents were, they, like I, I we talked about this before Tejan, my mom grew up in a pretty rough area my dad being homeless and you know, just, he had, you know, friends from all over the city and then both being from Ottawa. Um, I got to meet friends of different races all the time. So I was around it all the time when I was younger, but I will say it became like prevalent in high school that people are racist. I never really understood it myself because I was just, I was around it from just my family and stuff. But uh, I will say sports does make a huge difference from I've had teammates who it's changed their lives uh, myself, you know, just getting to understand like um, my buddy, one of my really good friends, Gobi, he's from Cornwall. So he's um, Indian himself. And, you know, just learning lots of stuff from different cultures, like they're just fam like family traditions and stuff. It's just it's awesome. So there's a lot to take out of sports and the family family aspect from it, for sure. Yeah, I think the best thing, too, is that for you guys, you know, the fact that you guys both allowed yourself to be, you know, you know, educated in terms of, because it's not easy, you know, sometimes people will say something, you know, you're like, like making a face like, bro, why are you saying this to me? Like, I don't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? But the fact that you guys both allowed yourself, you know, to welcome new people in, to be educated, it takes, it's a big step, you know, especially for you, Jordan, you know, like you said, you, the fact that you were able to admit, you know, that, you know, North Bay is not a cultural place, you know, it took until you got to university to really open yourself up. That's a big step. You know, a lot of people can't really, allow themselves to open up or even admit that they yeah. there were some shortcomings that being said it's not that i was closed off before it's just that i didn't have any opportunity there was no opportunity for me to open up to anybody else because there there was no there were no other cultures to let in at the time um it's not that i didn't want to i just hadn't had right. the opportunity yet Right. And I think that's great, too, because I think hopefully with new base now, that's going to give people, like you said, the opportunity to finally see, OK, these are some new things that you can open yourself up to. And that's another thing, too, because one of the comments did say, like you said, Joy, when your store, that that guy was like a six year old man. Right. There was actually a six year old man who commented, say, you know, I'm six years old. And he admitted that, you know what, he was ignorant. Like he actually sent a comment, you know, I didn't really take the time to open myself up to the stuff. You know, I was ignorant. And now I think this is great. So. Even like you said, the older people are trying to open themselves up more too, which I think is really great too. So I'm just really thankful for like with this club now, you know, hopefully we can really do some positive change community. I think that's what this community needs, you know, just some inclusion, diversity, and just bringing people together. I think it's really important. But um, just tying everything together, you know, allyship's like really important. You know, a lot of, sometimes when, you know, when a black person talks about black stuff, you know, it's, yeah, another black guy talking about it. When a white person talks about it and showing support, it brings a whole different you know, element to it. So for you, if you guys want to answer this, you know, just talk a bit about why you think allyship is important for something like this and how we can progress and move forward at this time in history. Because I think at this time, you know, we have a lot of momentum and allyship does help. So if Jason, if you want to talk a bit about why allyship is really important at this point. I just think it's crazy that it hasn't been a thing. Like, I don't like, that's the one thing I've never understood. Why can't like everybody just be cool, be friends, you know, you know, and everyone, when you're together, you're just more powerful than one individual speaking. Right. So, I mean, and again, it just, it just confuses me the ignorance of people. Like, how can, how can you just look at someone and be like, okay, just because there's slight differences, I'm not going to like you. Like it just, that, that just it pisses me off. I'm sorry. I swore and I have, I have to edit that, but it just infuriates me. It's like, man, if, if he's a cool dude, man, look, 
there's no problem. You know, if like if someone's ignorant and they're rude to you, then I understand why you wouldn't like them. But other than that, there's no reason to judge somebody or have feelings about somebody, right? Like, but allyship for sure. I feel like, you know, in today's era with the problems that are going on, I mean, obviously you need to have a group of people, like a, just a movement of people to just show power and support behind it so that it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, we're just going to shoot under the carpet like it never happened or forget about it, right? So. Yeah. Jordan? Um, so this is actually the first time I heard allyship. So you just, what allyship means everybody being on the same page together. Like, for example, me having this conversation with you, we, I am an ally. Is this what this means? It's basically like, yeah. So basically those who are not black, like so just be blunt, like white people, you know, white people who support the cause who are willing to, you know, join and give support and stuff like that. So that's just to be blunt, like basically white okay. people supporting the cause. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. No, I just wanted to make sure that I understood because that was the first time I've heard that, um, that term, but I think it's important because like I've said, I have been um, in situations where it's, it's only white people hanging out with each other and they say things. And I'm just like, I know you wouldn't have said that if somebody of a different race was in this room, you know? And that's why I think allyship is so important is because if you think it's okay to say things when you're behind closed doors, then, then it's not. But if you think that's a problem and if, if I'm going to call you out on it, that's when things are going to be getting solved. Like, like that, that conversation I had with this guy who was older than me was not comfortable. You know, that was, my family was there and I said like, you can't say that. And, and you know, this guy just kind of looked at me like, what do you mean? And I'm just like, no, you can't like, that wasn't comfortable for me. But if I didn't say that, you know, nobody would have called him out on it. And I think it's important too. Like I said, if you see it, you hear it, call it out, like hold people accountable. Like that's the biggest word that I've learned throughout this whole entire process, accountability. We have to start holding people accountable. It's not just like, you know, everyone always talks about defunding police and all the other stuff. Like, First of all, I don't agree with that. But in terms of the bigger picture, you know, it's not just holding, you know, governments and people in power accountable. It's the little things, like you said, you know, if you hear something, you see something, call it out. Like, don't ever think that it's okay to keep your mouth shut or you're going to get in trouble. Because like I've always said before, silence says more than your words. You know, by not seeing anything, you're basically agreeing with that person is saying. So holding people accountable. I'm, I'm just really thankful that you told that person that it's not right because you did the right thing like you can't if you sat back and said you and didn't say anything you're basically agreeing with that person saying so for you to say to tell that person you know that's not right show show that you know you're you're not for that type of stuff and i appreciate you sharing that story so thank you for sharing that story yeah no for sure i mean like who's who's to say maybe the next time i wasn't around that guy maybe he went back and said whatever he wanted to say you know, but like, I just, I wasn't going to sit there and listen to him say this because it's disgusting to me to hear it anyways. Like, I don't want to hear that. It's gross. You know, okay. that's how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. So Jordan, thank you so much for sharing all your stories. Really appreciate it. So now we're getting to our quick hitter segment. So this is the part of the podcast Whoa. where you have to guess the quick, what Jason? Hold up. Hold before you get in the quick hitters, I had a what? whole section I needed to talk to Jordan about. Oh, okay. Big topics, <laughs> man. Some what? lifestyle what? stuff, man. Okay. Hey, Jordan's a wise guy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Going back to, there's a couple of road trips where I, I actually, you know, I, I guess Big Dave is kind of who introduced me to you in the sense of getting to know you better. So I kind of learned a little bit about you from him and then getting to chat with you more, I learned a lot more about you. And I remember, you know, you were, you're a hard worker. You were doing painting at the school, working at the beer store, playing basketball and school you are financially smart. We've talked about that. And then you're traveling. So there's a few things I wanted to get talking to you about that. Cause you know, being a student, that's a lot of stuff. And for most people, that's not even something that's on their mind is to think of traveling, saving money, you know, working multiple jobs, time management, organization, all that stuff. So the first one I want to get into is the, the traveling. Cause you've traveled a lot. I remember you were telling me how you had a saving method of how, you know, you would split up your paychecks and then you, yeah. you and your girlfriend used to split up and, you know, you guys would travel everywhere, go stay at hostels and whatnot. You know, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about that? Uh, which part first? Like, you pick, man. Let's let's start okay. from the beginning. What the whole process is for how you were able to manage to do all this stuff. Okay, I I don't know why I was so anal about the money thing, but whenever I would get a paycheck, and this is going back to like maybe sometime in like second year, because the first big trip I did was with Christian. Me and Christian went all across. Europe together we went to 
France, Austria, Switzerland. Um, we went to Amsterdam, England. So before that happened, I said, okay, how am I going to pay for this? So from that moment on, I think that that year I was still working Sundays during the school year. I said, okay, every, every paycheck I get, I'm just going to divide it into sections. 20% of it at this time was going to traveling. That's what I decided. So every time a paycheck rolled in, I took 20% of that and put it into the, the bucket for traveling, you know? Um, and then I think at some point after that trip is when I said, okay, maybe I got to start saving money, whatever. So I said, okay, 30% of it, I'm putting it aside. I'm not touching it. And then the rest of it was my, you know, for fun money. Um, so I did whatever with that. But yeah, so like the traveling thing, every time from there on, 20% of every paycheck, I just started building it. So it was like, okay, where do I want to go next? Or where do we want to go next? Me and my girlfriend. And we would say, hmm, I don't know. We could go here. Okay, that trip's probably going to cost three grand. Um, all right, how long is it going to take to save 20% of my paychecks for three grand or more if we wanted to go faster, you know? So it was just that sort of thing. We started saving. And then next thing you know, we went to, me and my girlfriend went on a trip to Spain, Portugal, and Ireland together. Um, we went to Barcelona specifically, spent uh, about a week in Barcelona, a week in Lisbon, and then a week in Ireland. And that was, that was an amazing time. And then the following summer, we did, um, we did about a month in Thailand. Um, we actually, we went, normally when people go to Thailand, they go from like Vancouver around the world that way. But instead, I searched flights and I'd searched for hours and hours. And I found these cheap flights if we went through Toronto, Madrid to thailand that way so we actually booked it we spent a few days with jc a former alumni in madrid because he was still living there at the time still is um spent a few days with him on the way there and then continued on our way to thailand and again beautiful beautiful country i think everybody should go if they can afford to if they can afford to save the money for it because it's just it's a totally different way of life and once you get there it's pretty affordable just getting there is expensive What's one place you haven't visited yet that you want to visit? Uh, Norway. And that's easy one for me. Norway. Norway, <laughs> because I saw all these videos of the, the nature in Norway. And I said, man, I have to go see these, the fjords, they, whatever they're called, the, the big mountains that are above the rivers and the, the ocean and stuff. Um, I was supposed to go to Norway last year after my season ended, but because it ended early and everything kind of closed down, I had to rush back home. So I've been waiting for a year and a half and I'm still not there yet. So um, that's, that's probably going to be my next place that I go is Norway once I'm able to. I'm not going to lie. I'm from Jamaica. So I was kind of hoping you were going to see something in the West Indies. It was like Barbados or Jamaica. but uh, Okay. Jamaica is definitely on my list, but the, I haven't looked into it enough to know where I need to go in Jamaica because okay. I don't want to just, I don't want to just go to a resort because that's not necessarily my thing. I mean, that's, that's enjoyable, but I like to see stuff. I don't just want to be on the okay. beach for seven days. You know, I want to see things. So if I'm going to go to Jamaica, I need to know where I'm going and who, who I'm going with more or less. Okay. Say less. All right. Here's another question. Okay. Top five favorite places you visited from five to one. So five being the least one to be the best. One is the best. Okay. So Thailand is first. Thailand's my favorite. Spain is my second favorite. Um, Austria is my third favorite. That's where my family's from. Mm -hmm. Um, fourth favorite. Whew, okay. To thinking quick here. Um, probably Paris because I love the culture in Paris. And then fifth, I actually took a trip to Cuba, which was just on a resort for the most part. And that was pretty great as well. Damn. Damn. And then kind of opposite of the one I asked before, the things to do, what would you say, you know, say top three things to kind of be iffy or aware of? while or you know while trying to book your trip or while you're there okay first thing especially if you're going to like europe you're pretty safe although um you still have to be careful because for i was in the barcelona airport we decided we weren't going to take hotel night um because we were just gonna, like okay the flight's at six in the morning or five in the morning we'll just go to the airport at like 3 a.m or 2 a.m we got to the airport i fell asleep on the bench had my headphones in i woke up somebody had stolen my phone um yeah, <laughs> so I was just chilling on the bench with my phone in my, I think I had it tucked in like this on my chest. I woke up, I had one of those little pockets on the back for credit cards. They were all thrown on the ground. They didn't take my credit cards, thankfully, but my phone was gone. Um, so 
you got to be careful. You can't be, you can't be a little North Bay minded when you think nobody's going to steal from you, um, which mm-hmm. I was, but, um, <laughs> but the number one thing is others, other than that sort of thing, Europe, you're pretty safe. There's not too many scams going on, but when we were in Thailand, like we had looked up on YouTube, some like different scams that go on, you know, sometimes you'll just be walking down the street and then this guy comes up and says, Oh, this is your first time here. And if you say yes, they're like, Oh, when did you land yesterday, today, whatever. And then they'll be like, oh, let me take you to my place. Like my, I'll give you this tour. This is my buddy who owns the tuk-tuk. He's going to drive you to the next um, temple or statue or whatever. No, 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 no. Um, That's how you get driven out of the city and they say, okay, give me whatever you got or else you're not getting a ride back. Um, (laughs) So, but I was aware that this was going to probably happen before. And it did, it did happen. Like the guy tried to take us on his own route. And I said, no, like you're going to take me here. This is what I'm going to pay you. And if not, I'm getting out of your, your, um, motorcycle thing, whatever. (laughs) Um, other than that, I mean, the whole thing about traveling is just to experience something new. That's why you're there. So there's not too many things I would say don't do. I mean, obviously you're going to know what you like to do more or less, but just try new stuff. That's, that's all I would say is you're there to experience. So make sure you do everything you can. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I got to bring this up before we get to quicker this because I'm so mad about this. You guys got to go to Spain, like when your coach Chang was there to who? I'm so mad. What was that like? You got to tell me what that was like. I'm so mad. Because Jason, if I got to go to Europe to hoop, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that, was, that was fun because it's definitely, that was different than what I'm doing now because, okay, I like all my teammates now, of course. Mm-hmm. But like you were, we went to Europe or we went to Spain as like a squad you know like we were all tight Mm -hmm. so like it was that was a different experience it was a lot of fun there was we were still training um every day excuse me at least once we were training every day i think some days it was twice but then like some days it was like okay today's today's an exploring day you know so we were we were taking the bike riding like we we rode bikes through old town valencia um along the beach whatever we were chilling at the beach um hitting up the cafes for you know keep it uh pg or whatever we were at the cafes um having coffees <laughs> uh, no it was it was a blast you know we we were there to hoop and do business but like it was also it was a fun trip you know like we were all there it was all the guys it was fun funny story from that trip if you got one <laughs> i think i know the this, funny story <laughs> i need to hear no, the funny this is probably not what you're expecting jason this is this happened to me and me alone. I, I somehow got an infection in my arm from what they told me was probably a palm tree. I don't know how, but it started out with a little cut in my arm. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I was like, oh man, my arm's sore. And Cheng was like, oh, it's probably, you know, just keep an eye on it. It's probably nothing. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're probably right. And then later on that day, I had like red lines shooting up my arm all the way up my whole arm. And I said, yeah, I'm gonna go to the hospital now. He's like, yeah, that's a good idea. So me and uh, <laughs> the athletic trainer, uh, James Murray at the time, we went to the hospital and we had to try and we had the insurance papers and whatever we were trying to deal with like the doctors who, and I, at that time I spoke like no Spanish. I'd taken one semester of Spanish at Nipissing at that point. So we're trying to like communicate with Google translate and what I know, and just trying to say like, this is the problem, you know, <laughs> and it was, it was a rough experience. So I missed a little bit of that free day, but it was, it was a good time. <laughs> I was not expecting that story. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's the one I'm going to give you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jason, what were you expecting then? Um, that can't be said on camera. Oh you can gosh. try it, but I won't confirm or deny it. <laughs> I can't say it. Just out of respect for the individual. All right, say less. <laughs> okay. Jordan, <laughs> Jordan, Jason, you good now? Oh, yeah, I'm great. That was all, right, that was all I need. <laughs> thank you. Jordan, once again, thank you for coming out. <laughs> so we're getting to our quick hitters now. So this is the part of the podcast where we ask our guests a question, and they have to answer as fast as possible. So, Jason, you have the questions ready? Hold up. One sec. One sec. I apologize in advance. I'm not very good at this sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> ready? I'm ready. All right. First question. Jordan, who's your favorite artist? Music? Yes. Uh, Chase Rice. Okay. What about what about artist artist? I don't have one to be honest. Okay, okay. I thought you were thinking one. Okay. So I'm gonna say, what's your favorite uh, song on repeat right now? Um, 
Oh my God, that's embarrassing. I don't even know the name. It's by Morgan Wallen. And actually, I'm gonna take back that first answer. Morgan Wallen is my favorite right now, even though he's found himself in some trouble for some things that he said recently. Yeah, I'm about to say, Jordan, because... <laughs> I, I, I don't agree with what he said, but I do I do love his music. Um, favorite song by him right now on repeat is Somebody's Problem. Interesting. Okay. Favorite athlete? LeBron. Okay. Nice. By the way, I gotta say this quickly. I am so upset that LeBron's hurt right now. Like LeBron, for now, now we have no LeBron, no AD. Like, are you gotta be kidding me? Like, it's you know the point is. My brother said this too. Like, this might be the year like some random team wins. Like, if the Utah Jazz ends up winning the NBA championship, I'm gonna be so mad. They, they the might be honest. You know, now is your time to place a bet on them. Seriously, like this might be one of those years. Like, first of all, even the NCAA right now, there's so many teams that so many upsets going on right now. Like, oh, everyone's mad because um, Oral Roberts beat Ohio State. That apparently destroyed, like, 95% of the brackets. Yeah, there's, like, 100,000 left that are good. That's it. <laughs> that being said, I know somebody, this wasn't his bracket, but he he bet, like, $1 on Oral Roberts, and he returned, like, 500 bucks. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Damn. I said to throw that out there. Once you said LeBron, it just got me emotional again. But, um, <laughs> next question. All-time favorite sports movie? Ooh, Coach Carter. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could spend a day with someone dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, that's that's really tough. That's not a quick hitter. One day. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, yeah, it is Kobe. I would spend a day with Kobe, oh. and that's not just because I'm a basketball head. Just to see how he operates, man, that would be incredible. Yeah. Nice. Okay, Jordan. This is a very personal one for me, so I'm gonna ask Jordan. <laughs> do you like pineapple on your pizza? Yeah, not on every pizza, but you know, if it's on there, I'm not picking it off. That's for sure. Hold that, Jason. Jason, yes. wait for the second question. Man. This one, you, you, you're still over on this one. We have yet to have one person. Okay. Do you put milk before the cereal or cereal before the milk? If you ever put the milk first, <laughs> <laughs> you belong in a mental hospital. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> that being said, I don't drink milk though. I haven't drank milk in years. It's always either almond milk or uh, soy milk. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, that changes it then. All right, I'm good then. Next question. Last show you binge watched? Uh, Prison Break. I just finished it again. <laughs> okay, that's a great, great TV show. Um, all time starting five. Oh my god. Okay, all time starting five. Probably Allen Iverson, Kobe, Michael, uh, LeBron, and Shaq. I saw that Sha- Shaq actually posted the exact same um, top five on Instagram and say, name a team that's beating us. I don't think anyone's beating that team. Yeah, if you gave me more time, maybe I would think of somebody else to sub in somewhere, but I- I'm pretty safe with that bet. <laughs> the only person I would summon is instead of AI, I put uh, Magic, or Magic Johnson. That's the yeah, only person okay, I would. That's- that's solid too, but AI is fancy. I like it. Yeah, I am out of that. Next question. What's one skill you wish you were good at? One skill? Yeah. Uh, I cannot dive. Uh, oh. Like in water. I don't know how to dive. So that I makes two of us. <laughs> you oh. know, considering how much I travel, I just think, man, I want to take a video of me diving, but no, I got a pencil dive because I don't know how to dive. Wait, do yeah. you either belly flop or when you try, you end up like back flipping or side flipping? No, I haven't tried in years. When I was a kid, I tried, and somebody made fun of me, and I never tried after. <laughs> yeah, I haven't learned. I, I remember I learned how to dive when I was like seven because that's part of the YMCA, and I think the last time I dived like really was a like, great time because great time we had um, swimming class. So it's been so it's been like four or five years since I dived. So yeah, it's it's funny you ask because I actually was thinking about this like the other day. I was like maybe I will try and like not lessons, but like maybe I'm gonna try and learn how to dive this summer because it's not that it's important to me, but I'd like to know how. Yeah, I will say though the most common answer, and I'm the same person. The most common answer to that question is singing. Yeah, that that too, obviously. But I mean, that's a little bit of a stretch, you know. Not everybody that's, can be good at singing. That's true. I would have never thought of diving. Whenever I was asked that question, I would have never thought of diving. That's a great one though. That's yeah. why these are quick hitters, man. <laughs> Whatever comes up. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's your favorite hobby? Traveling. Second would be tasting different beers. Next question. 
What's one thing that people don't know about you? Uh, I have a TikTok account and I actually post videos. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to you plug yourself in right now? Uh, yeah, J-Rob World Adventures. Check it out. There's some different things on there. Travel tips, beer tastings, um, and then just different little snippets from when I've been traveling before. So nothing special, but it's out there. Okay. Okay, this one, um, I feel like you'll get it the way I'm about to ask it. And then alternate reality, okay? You not being the you now, what would you be doing? <laughs> um, that's funny because whenever somebody asks me what is my dream job, my answer is gold mining. If you've ever watched, if you've ever watched Alaskan Gold Rush or whatever <laughs> it is, bro, that when I was a kid or when I was like 13, 14, I'm like, that's it, that's what I'm doing. So that that's my answer. <laughs> yeah. Final question, Jason. I'm actually gonna switch this up because I thought of a good one. I want to do this. So Jordan, I'm gonna say one of your old teammates' name, and you say the first thing that pops in your head, okay? Okay. Okay. Jerron. Oh, stoic. <laughs> Ish. Kind. <laughs> That's Mar trash. That's trash, but it's true. <laughs> Marcus. Uh, quiet. <clears throat> Justin Shaver. <laughs> uh, <laughs> teddy bear. <laughs> Love you, Shane. <laughs> Justin Hill. Oh, wild. <laughs> Quentin. Smart. Chandon. Oh, um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't know, man. I was going to use the same one. Um... I say, I, I try to differentiate them because they are two different people. They may have the same face, but they are two different people. So. Oh. Absolutely. Um, Q is more, Q is more, um, I'm gonna try and lead. Oh, I don't even know how I wanna say that. Oh, come back to them, come back to them. Let me think, sorry. Okay. I, I wanna leave it on the way I did. Okay, <laughs> David Quinn. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> hmm? Goofy. Goofy. <laughs> I like I like Big Dave a lot. <laughs> I like Big Dave. Big Dave's like my little brother. Oh my gosh. Did you say Marvin or no? No, you haven't said uh, Marvin. No, Marvin? Said Marvin. Yeah. Marvin? Athletic. Guy can jump out of the roof. I like that. Let's do this one. Jason Little. <laughs> Jason Little? See, Jason was always just off to the side, so I don't even know what to say about Jason. Jason's like... Ah, Jason, what are you? <laughs> I'm just, I was just there, man. Jason's a sponge. <laughs> That's what Jason is. He's just trying to take a little bit from everybody. He's just trying to figure it out still. Yeah. <laughs> Joey? Joey, lead by example. Yeah. Coach Chang. Coach Chang. First thing about Coach Chang. Powerful. Nice. Yeah. And I'll give you this one last opportunity to circle back to Quentin and Shandon. So, I think it was Quentin, right? Yeah, both of them. Um, I call them both leaders, to be honest. Um, Shandon's a little bit more um, assertive and Quentin's a little bit more follow me, but I'm gonna show you what I'm doing. Whereas Shandon's gonna kind of tell you a little bit. Okay. And I know you said, that, I know you don't like to talk about yourself highly, but you know, from now, from then until now, Jordan Roberts. Um, same answer as always, probably. Just hardworking and now a little bit more confident you know before it was a little bit probably too humble but now you know know myself a little bit more but anyways that's all the time that we have so jordan <laughs> thank you so much you just made this quick it is so fun thank you man. <laughs> hey perfect man thanks for having me <laughs> you want to say anything else jason before jordan goes nothing much just hey this guy right here is a legend. I'm pointing up because you're above me on my screen. Um, not trying to be sappy, but hey, man, I was always called the baby Jordan. I did look up to you while you were there. So, you know, I appreciate you coming on and giving some advice and talking to us. Well, thanks for having me. You'll have a chance this summer. I'm coming back to North Bay, looking forward to training as long as, you know, we're allowed to. Yeah. yeah. I will say right now, they just moved into the yellow zone. So we're almost there. Hey, hopefully things keep going the right direction. Vaccines, people following the rules, all that stuff. Yep. 
Anyways, that's a wrap on another funny edition of the Lakers Locker Room. I want to thank our guest, Jordan Roberts, for joining us. You can find the video of this interview on YouTube and listen to the full interview on all podcast streaming platforms. Thank you, Jordan. Oh, thanks, guys.